Blog Talk Radio. advertising it just letting you guys know that uh, in a little bit we're going to have the one and only you may know him it's big bubba maybe u.s steel maybe tugboat tyler tugboat thomas tugboat typhoon the shock master that's right we're going to have fred ottman on in a little bit discussing his career in the state of pro wrestling excited to have him on board check us out on facebook it is facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy Show. Again, Facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. Check us out over there. Our handle on the Twitter. If you're into the tweeting and the Twittering and all that other good stuff, uh, well, tweet us over there. Get over there on the Twitter. It's 2015. Tweet us. Follow us on Twitter. Get on board with that. Also, check out our website, thekenreedyshow.com. Again, it's kenreedyshow.com. We want to hear from you tonight, 347-838-9815. That is the number to call. Let us know what you thought about Fastlane, about the road to WrestleMania, what we're looking forward to going into WrestleMania. Uh, Have they hyped it up enough? Are you excited about WrestleMania? Lots of great stuff to talk about. And as always, to try and make sense of it all. Got my tag team partner on the line. I'm hoping, I'm hoping... He's on the line because, you know, as, as luck would have it, a little bit of tech difficulties right before the show, but I think we got it squared away. Everyone out there who's listening to the show, cross your fingers right now. I'm going for the hot tag. Here we go. Dave, are you there? It is I. The, we the, did the it. The sense maker. I am here. Glad you're there. I'm here to make sense of things. Yeah, you know, it, it, it was funny, man. Like, right before the show, a lot of difficulty getting you on board. And uh, we're waiting right now. In a couple minutes, we're going to have the one and only Fred Altman. Uh, long-standing career. You know, interesting is doing the research for, uh, you know, the interview and everything. Uh, you know, active from 1984 to 2001. Uh, long-standing career. So excited to talk to him. Um, but before we get to him, and he's going to be on in just a little bit, uh, and we're going to dissect the pay-per-view, but... Why not start off a little bit, Dave? I'm curious, like, as an overview, 
what you thought of, of Fastlane last night. Give us a sense of what you, you took out of Fastlane. Um, um, it has pros and cons. I wasn't too, like, over-the-top, like, excited about the build heading into WrestleMania after last night. Um, but I was I was optimistic that there you know there's some good things and there's some bad things about the pay per view. Um, I wouldn't say there was a terrible match on the card, but there were some matches I was disappointed in. Some stuff was pretty predictable, and you know just overall I was it was an okay show. It wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. Um, there was a, a couple of nice surprises in there that I didn't expect, but you know for for it being free on the network uh, for for the month of February. Because I would have thought that they would have done something a little bit bigger than they did, but for whatever reason, they had their reasons behind it. So it was an okay show. It wasn't, like I said, wasn't great, but wasn't terrible either. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, that's how I kind of looked at it, too. I mean, we, we always do this thing on the show and on the Facebook. Yeah, that's why I want you you know, get on board on the Facebook so, uh, you know, your voice can be heard. Um you know, we grade things. We grade uh, pay-per-views. We grade Monday Night Raw. And then, you know, as far as getting into uh, – you know what I would grade the pay per view. Uh, you know I would I would kind of give it a C C plus. I mean I thought it was uh, you know it wasn't earth shattering. Um, you know it it definitely like planted the seeds uh, for WrestleMania season or at least some seeds. Uh, you know I thought there was some really good stuff. I thought there was some uh, mediocre stuff. Uh, you know it, it definitely. I don't think there was anything that was necessarily terrible. Um, in in the show, but I do think that it was it was kind of mediocre uh, throughout the night. Um, you know, it's 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 interesting. I mean, Fastlane obviously the first year they're doing uh, Fastlane, so I mean, I guess you know we'll see what happens. We'll see how that the uh, WrestleMania season unfolds, so to speak. Um, you know, we got two matches set, and so a lot to get into as far as what last night meant for the WrestleMania season how each matches each of the matches last night unfolded and uh getting ready what are we in store for tonight on Monday night raw so lots of stuff to get into as far as fast lane and the ramifications of fast lane is going to have going forward in this wrestlemania season but first off as i said at the top of the show promise you uh we got a, a wrestling legend uh you know, a guy who's, again, had a long-standing career, 1984 to 2001, went under a number of names, goes back to the, the territory days, uh, came in as, as Hulk Hogan's, uh, one of his best friends. I remember uh, them promoting him. You might know him, as I said earlier on the show, Tugboat, Typhoon, Shockmaster. We are very excited to have Mr. Fred Altman on the line with us tonight. How you doing tonight, Fred? I'm doing excellent, man. How you doing? We're doing great. Thank you for coming on and uh, spending a few minutes with us. We're excited to talk to you about, uh, you know, really excited to talk to you about uh, the era that you, you came up in. I mean, you know, who knew that wrestling was going to blow up the way it did in the 1980s? Um, and you really, I mean, your career started off in the mid-80s, so you really were in the thick of just wrestling blowing up. I mean, did you... I mean, number one, what was it like to get involved in wrestling, and did you think it would become uh, the, the global spectacle that it became? Brother, I was nervous as hell. That's all I could tell you. I mean, coming in uh, in, in the midst of uh, I'd already been wrestling a, quite a few years. I was still green as goat crap, and uh, 
getting thrown into the mix of the best wrestlers in the world. I'm talking about when Vince pulled them, they were the best from every territory that there was on the face of the earth practice. You know, you had talent from uh, other countries. You had ta- the best talent in this country. Guys, I had grown up, some of them, watching on TV. I mean, my own brother-in-law, when I was in high school, I was watching him on TV. And I've gone to many shows when I was in high school. At, uh, I was born and raised in Miami, and I would, we would go to the Miami Beach Convention Center where Jackie Gleason used to do uh, his television show. And that's where they had wrestling, man. And I'm telling you, Andre the Giant, when he was, you know, really young, and uh, the Briscoe brothers, the Funks, I mean, here it was a, a, a melting ground. And here being thrown into a mix, all those guys, you know what I'm saying? Bibiasi, uh, I, I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on, you know? I mean, it, it was incredible, you know? I came in there uh, about 89, to be honest with you. Uh, and... Uh, it was tremendous, man. I, you know, and <laughs> I cut my teeth. I was a cheerleader for Hulk Hogan when he was working his angle with uh, when they brought me in uh, with, uh, uh, you know, the earthquake. You know, my future partner. I mean, it was just incredible. Fred, I wanted to ask you about that. It's funny that you mentioned that. Um, you were brought in as like a cheerleader for Hulk Hogan, and at one point, Hogan got injured. You were, they put you on TV, and you were reading letters from all the Hulkamaniacs, and, and then it was yeah. announced his return, his return was going to take place at SummerSlam against Earthquake, and you were scheduled to be in his corner um, against, you know, Earthquake with Dino Bravo and Jimmy Hart were in, were in his corner, but then they made a switch, and Big Boss Man was, uh, mm-hmm. was, put, was, was put in Hogan's corner. What was the reason behind that? Man, I can't tell you. <laughs> I get so many, I get questions about that, and I can't remember what happened or what transpired in that particular day. You know what I'm saying? We were wrestling at that point in time, uh, you know, minimal 300 days a year, you know, on the road. And mm-hmm. I forgot exactly, I couldn't tell you, you know what I'm saying, uh, what the, the issue was there, um, uh, that why and what for. I mean, I got that question not too long ago, actually, uh, from somebody online. Well, interesting. I mean, you brought you brought into the WWF at the time, and I said, I mean, and I remember, you know, it's it's Hogan's best friend, and you come in. So, I mean, at that time, being tied to Hogan, it's a good place to be uh, as far as you know marketing and and putting yourself in in a good spot. Eventually, though, you wind up turning heel, uh, attacking mm-hmm. Hogan in a battle royal, and then eventually, uh, definitively turning heel uh, against the Bushwhackers. Were you what went into that heel turn? Were you on board with that? Were you looking forward to the heel turn? Um, just give us a little sense of what it was like turning heel at that time. Well, actually, it was it was really kind of wild because uh, I had been on the road and they were going to come out with a tugboat doll. They, I seen the prototype, the large prototype for the tugboat doll, and the schematics and the whole deal, you know, the blueprint for it, and then uh, I. At one TV, they go, uh, uh, you know, they had quickly ran a deal, and then it came to me, I guess, for, you know, as they figured that would be a natural deal, and they go, hey, uh, uh, we're thinking about tagging you with Earthquake. How do you feel about that? And it was really, you know, in my heart, you know, uh, 
I was a big baby face, and I really liked what was that, but I felt that I could have gone further with that character. But, you know, then they wanted to put me with Quake, who was, who was awesome. I loved them behind the scenes. As a guy, he was just a great guy and uh, a tremendously talented wrestler. I mean, he wrestled amateur for LSU. He uh, wrestled sumo in Japan. He uh, broke in in Japan. Uh, I mean, and he was a tremendous athlete and, and just a good guy. Good father, good you know, good wrestler, and then they're gonna put me with him. I'm like, we were so had so much in common. I think you know, agility wise and, and and that stuff that you know, any additional stuff I can learn from him, and we can work together and work like a smaller tag team would work. You know, as far as doing spots and doing things together, where a lot of tag teams in the past, big guys and stuff like that, they did you know did their own thing. You know what I'm saying? And here we can work cohesively. You know, like the Road Warriors did, and like some of the other tag teams that work spots together, you know what I'm saying? So I was very excited about it. You know, I thought about it and thought about it, and I sat on it, and I'm like, yeah, sure, man, put me there. You know, I, I didn't want to do the one, but you know what? I see this is, you know, I, I see a lot of potential in this stuff like that, and obviously they see potential in, in, in us together. And uh, uh, the fans, I mean, we came in there and kicked butt, you know, as a giant tag team, and, the fans got with it, you know, even when they did that heel face turn there at the end of the deal. Well, and as I said, you turned heel uh, definitively again with the Bushwhackers, your team with the Bushwhackers. Yeah. Um, oh, coincidentally, which, which is great that we have you on tonight, uh, Bushwhackers announced today that they're going to go into the WWE uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, your thoughts on the Bushwhackers and their career and their That's Hall of Fame awesome. induction? I'm a big fan. I talked to Luke today and congratulated him. You know, I think I, what an honor. You know, I, I mean, I think it's phenomenal. I mean, uh, and I think they should be in. I mean, I mean, it's it's for their role as the Bushwhackers. But you got to remember, those guys before that were the Sheepherders, the most vicious, the most, the toughest, bloodiest uh, wrestlers in professional wrestling. You know, back in the day, the Sheepherders. You know what I'm saying? And, and before the Bushwhackers. But the bushwhackers were good. People go, ha ha, this, that, and everything. But they were good, and they were good at what they did. They, they, as far as the entertainment value, and the fact that they uh, wrestled, you know, like I said, it's a cohesive team, and they worked good together. You know, they were kind of goofy, and people kind of laughed about it. But you know, I knew both sides of the coin with those guys. Their past and then there, just like many other wrestling fans. Some people were disappointed how they were used, but you know what? They they were phenomenal and they've done. I mean, Luke is still going and going and going and going on the road still at this at this day and age. Well, and, and you brought up, but you know, it's interesting that you said that. You know, and I remember them as the Sheepherders and and you know oh, one of the right. bloodiest tag teams and and violent. Oh. Uh, I'm curious if you watched the current product. Obviously, you know, a tag team now or any wrestler right now uh, wouldn't even have the opportunity to really be a, a bloody, vicious kind of character. Um, you know, when you look back in, in the, the, quote, bloodbaths that occurred in pro wrestling, uh, definitely now it's, it's a much more family-friendly uh, atmosphere. And, and uh, I'm curious your thoughts on the current product uh, in pro wrestling versus uh, what it was like in yesteryear. I, I mean, uh, there's a lack of blood in that stuff. I mean, uh what I missed from the original WWF stuff was they had different stuff, you know what I'm saying? They had, they're getting kind of more into it with the uh, the network and stuff like that where they're having kids-oriented shows and they're 
you know, they had a Saturday show, obviously, you know. They had, you know, after the 9 o'clock hour, they had uh, more violent and more risque type things going on. I mean, it, it morphs, you know what I'm saying? But the product now, they're kind of got their hands tied. Uh, I'm really surprised at the way the, the opposition, TNA, has gone and has been allowed when they were doing TV where we did Raw in New York and, and getting away with thumbtack matches and all that stuff like uh, uh, ECW used to do, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, New York's a very funny place. They, they, of all the places to wrestle, their uh, commission's always been a very strict kind of deal. But, I mean, I, I like the fact there's a lot of people out there that are, uh, that are you know what I'm saying, uh, critical and, uh, you know, they make their calls. And I watch all the shows, trust me. I go to Outlaw shows once in a while down here in Florida. Uh, I like to watch young talent coming up and stuff like that. And I go with my wife and, you know, go out, you know, and enjoy ourselves. And, uh, you know, and I just hang out and see different things. And uh, But, I mean, as far as the WWF product, I think they have a good product. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. Uh, their NXT product is exceedingly good. What do you think about that? I think the NXT product is incredible. Um, and I do think, you know, I think fans at times maybe get a little bit too critical of certain things. Um, I'm curious, as a big man, uh, one guy that I really like is Luke Harper. And since you uh, you watch the current product, I'm curious your thoughts on, on Luke yeah. Harper and how he can move for a large-sized guy. I mean, all those three guys, all of them are good. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Rintando's son, he's awesome. You know what I'm saying? The stuff what he does and everything like that. Uh, I, I just hope that they can keep working some really good angles with them and everything. But like you said, Harper and the and, his, and the other guy are, are both very very good. I, they're rough. Uh, I do like the fact that uh, that WWF WWE rather sorry right now is letting them. Uh, they're working kind of snug. You know what I'm saying? Uh, as far as the the product inside the ring, okay. They're very tight for the most part, and I like that. All right, you know, we, we've done it. We do the show uh, each and every week, and, and you know, yeah. we're talk show hosts, but ultimately we're, we're fans, and we, we love hearing behind the scenes. And I'm sure you've told the story uh, many, many times, but we would love to, to just hear uh, the Shockmaster thing, what happened mm-hmm. uh, behind the scenes a little bit, like how they came up with the character and, uh, you know, what exactly they, they thought they were going to do with them going forward. Just give us a... Uh, Everything surrounding what happened with the Shockmaster. Well, initially it was supposed to be pretty basically like a part, uh, like a comic book type uh, superhero type character from the get go. I mean, that's why the hidden persona and uh, really they came, you know, the Super Shockmaster. And I had there's a, you can pull up a few things on there where I'm in the the whole outfit with the uh, uh, Mexican style mask on and that, and uh, it was supposed to go that route. And then what happened as far as the debut was live uh, live pay per view at uh, at Daytona Beach and um, uh, you know it is what it is they built the set for the Flair for the Gold it was a live not a tape show and uh, what happened is what happened when when you go that route uh, I went out there they gave me the the uh, mask I was going to wear to go out there for the interview the last minute they put me out in the position Mike Graham was guy who's going to give me the cue. When I was supposed to bust through the door, uh, and uh, he, he goes, Fred, you know, uh, the, the uh, wall was built with uh, two by fours, 12 to 14 inches on center, 
all the way across like it would be in a normal house with cross braces. But uh, it was a 10-foot wall. What they did was they added more sheetrock, and uh, they uh, around my just below my knee, there was a board that ran across the whole bottom of uh, of the wall to give it the extended height, you know. And what happened was he goes, Fred, you're gonna have to bust these. It wasn't a gimmicked wall; it was solid two by fours and fixed up. So uh, he put this. I, I, I'm wearing a mask that. Uh, had drilled holes out of the eye holes that were like little drill, maybe quarter-inch round holes drilled in a circle all the way around the eye, uh, where the eye was, eyes are on both sides. The glitter was coming through, so what they did was they took the secretary's pantyhose, took them off of her, cut pieces out of them, glued them over the eye holes so the glitter wouldn't come in my eyes. <laughs> and so pretty basically it was, uh, you know, you put this thing on your head, he gives me the cue, you have to bust the wall out, it's like point and go. And uh, I put my hands above my head, double axe handle. I took out five two-by-fours, busted them clean. Wow. But I hit it so hard when I hit it, should have kicked the bottom of the wall out first. So what I did was, I was a human theater daughter. And so what I did was, whoop, over the, the bottom there. So I, they go, you fell. I didn't fell. I was actually propelled like a, a rocket ship through the <laughs> top of the wall and flipped over the, uh, the board, the support board across the bottom. And when I landed on the other side, the, thing, the helmet came off like a champagne cork. I turned my head to try and hide who my face is. Everybody there, if you're looking at it, they're going, what the frick? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're reading guys. Oh, you know, Davy Boy fell on his arse and all these different, you know, things if you read their lips. But, you know, my deal was trying to pull the helmet back on my head, jump up. There was no way to mic that helmet. So uh, Arn Anderson did, uh, not Arn, but uh, Ole did the voiceover on the mic, and the rest is history, my friend. Because <laughs> the angle was uh, leading, up, leading up to the next big pay-per-view, which was in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, correct? Yes, it was lovely. It was lovely. Well, I have fun with it. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I, I hear all the, you know, the critics and all that stuff and everything. It is what it is, man. You know what I mean? It happened. It was a live pay-per-view. It was very upsetting that night because I'm a person that really takes this business, you know, over the top. I beat myself up and that, and it was like, you know, it happened. You know, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, you can't cry over spilt milk, you know. And the only, you know, Macho Man once told me, well, we were talking on the road, me and Dusty, this is before the incident happened, and I was just coming into the territory, but boop. Let me tell you, the only guarantees in this business is there are no guarantees. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And, you know, and you bring them up. I mean, you know, we talked about the Bushwhackers, but in bringing up Macho Man, um, what was it like behind the scenes with him, another guy getting inducted into the Hall of Fame this year in 2015? Uh you have any stories of what it was like to hang out with the Macho Man? He was great. He was just how you see him on TV. It's how he was in life. He lived the, the, the gimmick, you know what I'm saying? He was a general in the ring, just like, you know, the Bushwhackers, both two generals. I had to put, I was there. I watched matches every night. It didn't matter if I worked from the beginning. Every night I was on the road, I would go to that curtain, and whoever the road agents were were by there. And if I wasn't in the ring when I came out of the ring, I was there. I was probably one of the last guys to shower and get out of the building most of the time. 
You know, I'd be there watching the the, the first matches, second match or whatever, until my, my match was on. And then I was, you know, out. I was always at the buildings early and all that stuff. But Randy was uh, a tremendous guy, a tremendous athlete, great athlete, uh, you know, baseball player, and anything that he put his mind to. He was the best at it. He worked hard at it. He comes from a family. Lanny, tremendous athlete, tremendous guy. His father, you know, Angelo. I mean, and they were all tremendous, tremendous guys. I mean, and that's the caliber. You know, like I said, everybody I worked with was a general uh, at their own right, you know, in many of the different places that I've been and plus guys that I've watched up. You know, they were all legends. You know, I got to work around Ric Flair. I got to, you know what I'm saying, Andre the Giant, you know, uh, who was a great guy, you know, and uh, there's guys out there, you know, it's like any other company you'd work for, you know, they've all got their own personalities. Fred, I got one, I got one question for you, one more. You traveled, I'm sorry, you, you worked with the Iron Sheik, and Iron Sheik, there's, there's been plenty of stories out there, famous stories of, of, how he was behind the scenes. You got a good, you got a good Iron Sheik story you can tell us. Oh my God! <laughs> uh, Iron Sheik is, is his own persona, man. I mean, like you said, he's a legend. I mean, I've seen, uh, I shared rooms with him. I've shared, I've driven with him in car rides. I mean, there was one incident. Uh, we did a double shot, and we were in Ohio, and uh, we're in the dressing room, and um, Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels were still tagging together, and Marty's always funny. Oh, my God. And, uh, you know, she's in the back dressing room. He's cutting promos like always. Uh, Rene uh, Goulet and uh, and T.J. Strongbow were our agents, and uh, we were there, and uh, Marty, like, stole four or five different guy, guys' gimmicks and had them all, was wearing all of them, okay? And uh, one of them was a face mask and goes over his head. And Sheik, you know, is cutting a promo, you know, uh, about, you know, the amateur wrestling. The guys are working them into a frenzy, getting them hot, you know? Oh, come kick my leg like a telephone pole. Come on, you try me, you try me. And Marty comes sneaking in behind them, hooks them, and flips them back and Cool boys, and and, uh, the ref jumps down and one, two, three, and he jumped up, and the sheep is just furious, man. He got pinned there. And uh, he goes chasing Marty through the building, all over the building. Then he finally comes down, and and then Marty did it again to him the same night. You know, in other words, nobody's ever been pinned. You know, she's doing the tie, he's on the tie rig, on his, you know, come on, challenging people to grab, you know, ah, that's stupid. That bastard, Marty Jannetty, I give him. I, 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 I make him humble, you know. But uh, that's one of the few that you had to be there and see it to believe it because it was funny, 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 man. Fred, great stuff. Thank you so much for spending some time with us, uh, no sharing problem. some locker room stories and, and what have you. Just but before I let you go, anything you got going on right now you'd like to promote? No, I mean, you know, uh, I, I got some stuff coming up with my buddy Mikey Kanata with the Top Rope Report. But I got, uh, I'm going to England uh, in July, uh, in, in June, uh, for the big uh, uh, WrestleCon over there. I'm really looking 
forward to that. I've been at home uh, because I blew my whole quadricep off off my top of, uh, off of my kneecap and for all the tendons and everything. So I've been home since uh, December 5th of last year uh, trying to get. I, I'm just able to walk, and I'm working on bending my knee. And uh, uh, this week I'm going back into the gym, so I'm really excited about that. I'm leaning out and uh, getting bigger, and so I can get out there and do some more of these, you know, Comic-Cons. I've done a, I did a bunch last year uh, with a bunch of the different boys and stuff like that and the WrestleCons and that. So I'm looking forward to getting back out there doing some of that stuff. I've had people approach me and everything, but I haven't been uh, – up to where I need to be to get, you know, health-wise and being able to walk and stuff like that. And uh, so I'm just rehabbing, man, uh, you know, and just sitting home and enjoying my wife, enjoying my life, and uh, just been antsy to get back in the gym. That's all. Well, great, and good luck with that. I mean, all the best with, with your recovery and, and get back in the gym and look forward to seeing you at uh, uh, some signings and shows uh, down the road a piece. And we'd love to have you back on at some point in the future tell some oh, more stories. Thank you so much. Man. Oh, you're very welcome, both. Thank you. Take it easy. Thank you, Fred. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Fred Altman, tugboat, great stories, great stuff. Uh, given, you know, interesting, Dave. You know, Bushwhackers announced that they're being inducted into the uh, WWE Hall of Fame this year, WrestleMania weekend, and coincidentally, we we got tugboat on there at his big turn uh, while he's teaming with the Bushwhackers. So some insight there, and and it's always fun, you know, from that era. To just get some of those uh, locker room stories, Dave. Absolutely, that's that's part of the reason why I do this because I, I I love hearing the, the the stories, the behind the scenes stuff. It, it's it's uh it, it's pretty cool. Good stuff. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. That is the number to call. We got we're gonna get to your phone calls in just a little bit. Talking some fast lane. What were your thoughts on fast lane? What are your thoughts heading into WrestleMania? I mean, there's certain there are guys. I mean, it's early. But a lot of guys, most of the roster, don't even have matches on the card. How will this unfold? We want to hear from you. Give us a call. We're going to get to you in just a minute. But first, as we do at this point in the show every single week, it is time right now for the Day 5 50-50 News Report. You heard the man, folks. It is that time. That time, I said, the Day 5 50-50 News Report. Our first story, it was announced by WWE officially this afternoon that Luke and Butch, the Bushwhackers, will be headed for enshrinement into the 2015 class of the WWE Hall of Fame. One name that has not been officially announced, but is rumored for induction into this class, is Alundra Blaze, a.k.a. Medusa. Her career has spanned decades as Medusa spent time in the AWA, WCW, WWF, and back to WCW, where she's probably most known for committing career suicide on live television as she made a surprise appearance on one of the early episodes of WCW Monday Nitro in 1995 with the then WWF Women's Championship and proceeded to throw it in the trash can on live TV. It's expected her Hall of Fame induction announcement will take place in the coming weeks on WWE television. More bad news for TNA this week. Discovery Network, which owns Destination America, which airs TNA's Impact Wrestling, may have bitten off more than they could chew. Recently, Time Warner Cable was purchased by Xfinity Comcast. Discovery had made it publicly known of their displeasure over this acquisition. Now, where they may come bite, where, where this may come bite them in the ass, excuse me, 
is their contract with Comcast expires in June, which has cable industry insiders suggesting Comcast may not renew the contract with Discovery Networks. How does this affect TNA? Impact Wrestling is seen in over 60 million homes. If Comcast were to pull the plug and not renew their contracts, then TNA's Impact Wrestling will no longer be available in their largest cable outlet and will minimize their viewership. I'll have more details on this story when they become available. PWInsider.com reports that Jeff Jarrett and his Global Force Wrestling look to make headlines during WrestleMania week next month with several big announcements. First, it is being alleged that Global Force Wrestling will announce some talent acquisitions, as well as dates for upcoming live events. And secondly, there is also speculation that Global Force Wrestling is looking to produce another live pay-per-view with New Japan Pro Wrestling, as well as possibly another live pay-per-view with AAA out of Mexico sometime in 2015. Our fourth story, Ring of Honor CEO Joe Koff recently sat down with Mike Johnson, a PW Insider, to discuss the state of Ring of Honor. Koff recently indicated that Ring of Honor is looking to produce a live television special sometime in 2015 and wants that special to air nationally. Rumors out now suggest that Ring of Honor may be in talks with Spike TV, the former home of TNA's Impact Wrestling. Koff did not say if Spike was talking with Ring of Honor, but with these rumors out now and his statement to PW Insider, many insiders are suggesting that both sides are in talks, but nothing of serious note in negotiations has happened as of yet. Ring of Honor's television deal currently covers only 40% of the United States television market. If a deal with Spike TV were to happen, Ring of Honor's number, Ring of Honor's one-night television special could be seen in over 90 million homes, the most that Ring of Honor has been seen. And our final story, speaking of Fastlane, there is now talk in WWE of having the Daily Show host, John Stewart, get involved in the Seth Rollins-Randy Orton feud heading into WrestleMania 31. Stewart and Rollins have gone back and forth on social media and TMZ last week over comments Rollins made about the Daily Show hosting gig. No word on what kind of involvement Stewart will have, and if that includes the, the rumored Randy Orton, Seth Rollins, WrestleMania 31 bout. And there you have it, folks. You've been informed. You've been entertained. You learned about the top five stories in professional wrestling, in my opinion, only here at the Day 5 News Report. Ken, back to you. Good stuff as always. Thanks, Dave. And let's let's go back right out to the phones because uh, got the first half hour. We got a little tugboat, which was awesome stuff. And you know, I mean, we got to put it out there. We got to thank Mr. Trivia, who's uh, you know been kind of one of our guys behind the scenes, a fan, but he's helped us get a a lot of interviews. Uh, he's got the top rope report coming up. So uh, good stuff coming from Mr. Trivia. He helped us get tugboat. So good stuff. And let's bring him on the line right now, Mr. Trivia. How you doing today? Hey, how you doing, guys? Doing all right. Thanks a lot again Good. for uh, helping to snag Tugboat for us. Good stuff from him. What do you got for us tonight? Uh, that pay-per-view last night, I'll tell you, it was, I, I'd have to give it like a, a C plus. I mean, even though I'm a big fan of the Usos, I still I still like that team of uh, Cesaro and Tyson Kidd. I mean, they just, 
they just seem to complement each other, uh, you know, well in the ring. And I mean, I I enjoyed that match. I thought it was one of the the better matches that they had on the card. And uh, but I'd have to say the um, Daniel Bryan match was just off the chart. That was that was an amazing match. And uh, Sting Triple H, well, that was kind of expected, basically. I mean, you know, I kind of figured that they were going to go, they were going to go at it eventually. But uh, what, what was uh, your best match on the card? You and Dave, what, what, what matches did you think stuck out for you guys? I, I'd probably go as well with uh, Reigns and Daniel Bryan. I thought that was that was exactly what Reigns needed. Uh, we'll see, you know, how the IWC responds to this, but. Uh, you know, I thought it was a very good match. You know, I don't know if I'd go as far as saying it was a five-star match, but I thought it was a very good match. Um, again, just what the doctor ordered as far as Reigns. And, and I liked Rusev Cena a lot. I, I thought that was a, a good, like, hard-hitting match. Uh, curious where that storyline is going to go. But, um, you know, I thought it was good. I agree. I thought the tag team match was a good match. I liked I liked Cesaro and Tyson Kidd a lot as a tag team. Um but I'd, I'd probably say my favorite match of the night was probably uh, Reigns and uh, Daniel Bryan. What was your thoughts, Dave? Well, I'll be perfectly honest with you, and this is this is probably something I shouldn't admit, but um, as I get older, I happen I tend to fall asleep earlier more, and it it wasn't because the pay per view was boring to me, but I did fall asleep in parts of the Reigns Daniel Bryan match. I went back and watched it again this morning. I thought it was a very good, very physical match. Brian brought a lot of physicality out of Reigns, and Reigns definitely brought it. Um, to, to, to me, like, with a good match, the audience always has to be a part of it as well. It has to be a big you know, a part of the participation. Otherwise, the match, you know, the things they do, but if it's not reacting to the audience, then, you know, it's not a good match, in my opinion. And I just felt like the Memphis crowd was just kind of eh. Like, they were just kind of like, I, don't, I can't really explain it, but it, it, it just seemed, the crowd seemed flat. Me, I, I couldn't I agree with you more, Dave. I, I thought we, we actually said, you know, and part of, I can't say that I wouldn't be falling asleep at times, uh, you know, staying up late and what have you, but, uh, you know, we had a living room full of people, so which is always good because it, it, it allows me at least to get a gauge on at least some wrestling fans and what they think, and... Uh, a few of us made a comment, like, even when, when you know, there, there were some, I don't want to say clunkers, you know, there, there were some, you know, very average matches, but uh, regardless, it just didn't seem like the crowd really got too up for anything. So it was one of those weird pay-per-views, like, I thought it was decent, but it was tough to read sometimes because the crowd really wasn't into it. It, it, was, it was kind of odd. Um, but I, I thought, regardless of the crowd, I thought Reigns and, and Daniel Bryan really, really brought it last night. Yeah, I, I think they brought it. I mean, as far as like a match goes, I would probably have to say like that and the the the, the tag title match and Rusev and Cena like all were like I, I can't really pick a favorite, but like if there was a favorite moment as far as the evening goes, it was the Bray Wyatt promo challenging the Undertaker. I thought yeah. that was, I thought that was top notch. I'll, I'll no, put that I'll put that over the matches as being the best part of the show in my opinion. Yeah, that was that was. I mean, I was I was ready to mark out if the Undertaker showed up. I mean, no doubt. I mean, I saw all that, and I said to a buddy of mine, "I said no, man. I said no way. Here he comes." You know, all of a sudden they open up the casket, and Bray Wyatt pops out, and it's like, oh man. But yeah, he does. Uh, 
he's got some good promos and uh looking forward to probably seeing him and the undertaker going at it and uh well, but if I, like I said, if I didn't watch it, I wouldn't have even known they had a crowd there. <laughs> it's a good I point. Mean, it was, it was, uh, it was pretty bad. Even, I mean, when Goldust and Stardust came out, it was like, you know, I said to my, my co-host, we were at his place watching the show, and it was like, oh man, this is going to be a good bathroom match. You know, I went out there, you know, got me something to drink, and I came back in. And it's like, my God, this crowd is just like dead. I could, I mean, even when. It, it didn't even sound all that great when The Undertaker's music played. Usually, it's, I mean, I think the biggest crowd noise, probably in my opinion, I don't know if you guys agree, but I think the biggest crowd noise when, was when Randy Orton came out. No. No? I, I'm, dis- I'm going to disagree with you. I think it was the I think it was the, 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 the possibility of Undertaker showing up, and then it even got louder when Wyatt popped out of that casket, and they booed, and he drew heat on that, and then the promo he caught like to me, that was probably when it was the loudest, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, he's doing excellent promos, and uh, he's really uh, making a case for him and the Undertaker, and that's really going to be an excellent match. But well, guys, great interview with uh, Tugboat. Uh, I'm going to be talking to him again later on, and uh, yeah, you guys keep up the great work, guys. Are awesome job, and uh, like I said, you know, Ken, we're going to have to get you on the Top Rope Report in March and uh, go over some of your stuff on the show. Definitely sounds good. Again, thanks a lot, Mr. Trivia. Talk to you soon. All right, we'll talk to you later. Take it easy. You know, it's interesting, Dave, because, like, when you look at the pay-per-view, there were, like, two moments, um, you know, non-wrestling moments uh, that occurred, and there was the the Sting-Triple-H confrontation and the Bray Wyatt uh, in in the casket. And the Bray Wyatt in the casket, you know, living room pop, when the gong went off, uh, most of us kind of figured it was going to be Wyatt in the coffin, but still, when the gong hit, everyone was like, oh, my God, is Taker going to show up? Um, great, great promo um, from Bray Wyatt. Um, and on a lot of levels, the, the two big non-wrestling moments of the pay-per-view, uh, almost opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, I'm not going to say that the confrontation between Sting and Triple H was horrible. Um, I thought Triple H's promo before the actual confrontation was really cool. Some of the stuff to me, I mean, the close-ups, the bat, Really looked plastic to me. Um, and then, you know, Sting's got a bat. Triple H's got a, a sledgehammer. I'm going to drop the sledgehammer. You know, we we both have a weapon, but I'm just going to drop my weapon. I, I just didn't, I, I don't know. To me, I was like, you you hold on to your sledgehammer. I almost would have rathered uh, uh, more of a standoff between the two of them as opposed to Sting really getting the upper hand again. Um, it was kind of exciting because now definitively you know that it is set. Uh, Sting will have his first match in a WWE ring at WrestleMania. So in and, and that aspect, it was exciting. Um, but there there were parts of it that I just were, thought were kind of cheesy that didn't work. Um, so to me, it was like almost the opposite ends of the spectrum. Bray Wyatt, unbelievable. Sting, Triple H confrontation, uh, kind of spotty at best. Let me make a point here as far as the, the, the Bray Wyatt um, promo with the with you know calling out the Undertaker. When it was rumored a few months ago that they wanted to do you know Bray Wyatt Undertaker pending Undertaker's health, I wasn't really too. I, I thought it was like damn, too little, too late. Maybe two years ago, if they had a Bray Wyatt Undertaker match, it would have been cool. But considering the condition that Undertaker was in after his match with Brock Lesnar last year, and just it, it just 
his condition seems to get worse and worse over the years, even wrestling one match. I just thought, you know, maybe it is truly time for him to hang it up physically. Maybe he can't do it anymore. And I was like, you know, that sucks, but, you know, I, I can learn to deal with that. And so I wasn't really looking forward to the, the, the Undertaker match with Wyatt as much as I've looked forward to Undertaker matches at WrestleMania because I just thought to myself, well, you know, he's not in the best shape, so he can't really give Wyatt the best possible match. And Wyatt is, you know, a, a young guy moving up on the roster. It would be nice if, you know, he could get something out of Taker like that other than just being in a feud with him. Uh, you know, a good match would help, too. So when... So when the music came on and he came out and he cut that promo and I just thought to myself, you know, there better be a good reason why he's calling out Undertaker because Undertaker and the the Undertaker character, especially after being dominated at WrestleMania last year by Brock Lesnar and Brock Lesnar, you know, definitively ending the streak, I thought that, you know, to me, like, what else does Undertaker have to do at WrestleMania? There's no mystique in his matches anymore after the streak. And then Wyatt proved me wrong last night. WWE Creative proved me wrong last night. When Wyatt came out and Wyatt said, you know, I used to be scared of you, but now you're just like everybody else. You're, you know, in between our world and their world. And, you, and you, in a way, like you're not the scariest person that, you, you know, that you used to be. And it's time for you to go home and I'm going to send you home. Like, I'm going to be the one to put you out the pasture. I'm going to be the one to tell you it's over. I'm the new face of fear in WWE. I thought, like, oh, wow. Like, now they've got me, I wouldn't say hooked, but they got me very intrigued going into this match between the two, you know, because of the, because of the, the, the reasons behind Wyatt calling out Undertaker. It makes perfect sense. It's not just the match that's just thrown together. On the other hand, just said match that gets thrown together and that's what Sting and Triple H seems like in a way. I mean other than the fact that it's going to be Sting's first match in a WWE ring, his debut match in WWE at Wrestlemania to me there is no other intrigue going into that match with Triple H and here's why. He's gotten the best of Triple H on three separate, this is big three occasions now where he's beaten him up or he's cost Triple H, uh, you know, in the authority, a, a big match. He's been involved in, he's gotten in Triple H's, you know, business three different times now, and he's gotten the best of them all three times. Where is the appeal in me as a wrestling fan that's going to want to, you know, granted if I didn't have WWE Network, that's going to want to order WrestleMania to see Sting kick the crap out of Triple H when he's already done it, you know, twice now. I just don't, I, I don't find the appeal in it, other than the fact that, yes, for historical purposes, this is his first WWE match. But I just, and, and to be honest with you, I would like to hear, hear him talk at least, just a little bit. I'm not expecting a, a, you know, a War and Peace novel type promo, but it would have been nice if we had some form of an explanation as to why he's targeting Triple H. I mean, you can kind of make it out and see that it's his reasons behind coming back. And, and confronting Triple H is that he's trying to stop Triple H and the authority from ruining WWE. I guess you can assume that just by the situations they put him in and his character in and how he's gotten involved. But it would have been nice if he had just a short, clear promo as to why he's targeting Triple H. And maybe Triple H should have gotten the upper hand at the end of that segment last night to get you more intrigued to want to see Sting kick his ass next month at WrestleMania. 
I just I, I, I feel like this match with the two of them is thrown together. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where I guess, you know, to try and add suspense, which which would have helped. It's Like you say, it's thrown together, and it's almost, you know, to me it's fairly obvious that it's, it's there for 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 Triple H to take the pin. Like, that's that's the point of, you know, this, this you know, it being Triple H. And you don't want to have, you know, basically it's like Sting has to win his first match in the WWE, and Triple H is willing to take the pin. So uh, the suspense isn't there. Um, it should be exciting, and again, it's a historical thing. And if you're a wrestling fan, yeah, you're going to be into it because it is history. Um, but yeah, I think that the confrontation left me a little flat. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. That's the number to call. We're talking fast lane. Let's go back out to the phones. We got Anthony on hold. Anthony, how you doing this evening? Hello. 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 Oh, hey guys, how you doing? Doing all right. How are you? Good. Good. I, I thought I cut out for a second there. I got a little nervous. Um. Uh, you guys kind of stole my thunder a little bit with the uh, Triple H uh, thing thing. I was, I guess I'm in, uh, to use the people's word, as some would say, an agreer. Cause, uh, I, I, please, don't, <laughs> please, please don't use that word. Please don't use that word. Never ending with the agreement. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you totally. I, uh, I expected Triple H to kind of get the upper hand on Sting last night, and I don't know. I don't know. It, the thing with the crowd, I'm with you guys on that, too. The crowd sucked. I saw a meme today that said, slam me for the worst crowd ever. And, huh. I, I mean, I don't know if I'd say that, but it, you never got the sense any was, anybody was excited in the building, uh, which was kind of kind of strange. But overall, I did enjoy the work. Um, as far as favorite matches goes, I'm, again, I'm right there with you. Uh, Brian Reigns was everything I expected it to be. I was pleasantly surprised that Reigns won. Um, Cena Rusev, I thought was really good. Uh, I, I kind of agree with you. Kind of heard you say maybe you're not really sure where they're going with it from here, but I, I thought the match itself was really good and the tag match was awesome. The only I just I wish that Usos had retained, but other than that, uh, that match was awesome. Um, the the end of uh, you know match we talked about a lot on Saturday was. Uh, Stardust Goldust. It it really didn't give me what I was looking for, but that may have been the point, I guess. Get you thirsty for for the Mania match, which I think probably will live up to its billing. Um, not really. The ending was kind of awkward because it looked like he didn't count a three, but he said he counted a three. Maybe that's Cody's way of getting his rematch. Um, but I expected a little bit more out of that match. Um, the Six man, and you know, another thing, kind of heard you talking about on Saturday after we got off was you're sick and tired of the hire, rehired, fired guys, whatever you want to call them. That angle couldn't agree with you more. Let's, I hope that's the end of it. I did see that Ziggler actually tweeted before the show, I believe, uh, and tagged Daniel Bryan in it saying, Good luck, but not too much luck. I'm stealing the show at WrestleMania one way or another. I don't know if that was hinting at something that I think most wrestling fans would want to see with uh, him and Brian, which I think would be great. And uh, it was cool to see Orton come back. And non-match-wise, I'm with you again. My my favorite moment was the Bray Wyatt promo. Uh, when I heard Taker's music hit, 
it occurred to me right away that was probably going to be Bray, and I knew it once the casket came out. It didn't bother me one bit that I figured it out because I thought it was awesome. I even turned to Jazz, and I was like, it would be great if he just sat up here and just started laughing, and that's pretty much what he did. So I, I thought it was like pretty much a home run with that. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought it was great. Good. Good. Who was that? You, Dave? I'm still here, guys. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. And I wanted to get a little bit more with the Sting Triple H confrontation. And, uh, you know, it's funny with that because, you know, and David, David thinks, you know, it's, it's the best point. It's, you know, we've seen Sting go over on Triple H so many times now. And, and, you know, I mean, Triple H was reacting, and, and the camera work, not good, because the, the the shot of the bat, it just, it was so obvious that was a plastic bat. Um, and Triple H was acting like it was a sawed-off shotgun. I mean, the way Triple H was putting his hands up, it was like, you know, don't shoot, don't shoot, and I'm, I'm going to drop my sledgehammer. And in, in real life, if I'm about to get into a fight with a guy who's holding a bat, I am going to hold on to my sledgehammer. That's just number one, right there. And and I, I almost would have rathered a standoff, like both of them standing there holding their, their preferred weapons. And, and then, you know, along the lines of Triple H's promo, you know, you know maybe Sting points to the sign and, and it's all assumed, like, all right, there's, there's going to be a match at WrestleMania. And then have Triple H, like, hit him from behind or something as he's exiting the ring or something and, and grab the mic and just be like, you know, now you're entering my world. You're in my world at WrestleMania. I will end you. I will end your legacy. And just kind of give, like, like Triple H something. And, and give him something where it's like, I know he came down with, the, with the, the leather jacket and the T-shirt now. But, like, really give us more of, you know, now it's not COO Triple H. Now it's it's the game. It's the cerebral assassin. It's the ass-kicking wrestler Triple H. And, I thought that would have just been much more powerful for Triple H to go over, and and like like Dave Dave brings up the point. I mean, there's, there's no suspense now, and I, and I thought like the, an intensity from Triple H and and really kind of building this um, would have been a little bit more interesting. Uh, you know, it remains to be seen how the build is going to be. At some point, I mean, you'd like to hope that there there's going to be a build, and and at some point Triple H will get the upper hand. Uh, on Sting, but but that remains to be seen. I'm curious. You said you liked the match with Cena and Rusev. Your thoughts of of those two characters are going forward from that? I, I liked the match. I, I I the the finish was again another another thing with the, the build with them. It was kind of puzzling to me. Uh, I, I he basically did to Cena what he said he was going to do. So how does Cena now recover from that? I know it's John Cena, he could do anything, but it's, it was just, it was kind of weird. I, I know there was a little bit of an interference from Lana and, you know, the kick in the groin and all that, and I, I my guess is going to be he's going to use that and make the claim that Rusev didn't beat him clean. Might be a little bit of a stretch for me because, I mean, I thought it was pretty, you know, that even, you know, pretty good beating there. Uh and the other thing, too, is with the whole passing out, and we've seen that before many times. I, I don't know, with, with with the guy of Cena's stature, I was kind of looking for a little more there um, myself. But I thought the reason I liked the match is I thought the work was good. I, I, I guess that would be the best way to put it. 
Well, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting you bring that up because I thought about this, you know, and last night I chose Rusev to be, you know, to, to, to win the match. And I thought that, you know, Rusev being seen at, you know, at Fastlane would help him tremendously. And I think it still does. However, after having a conversation with my brother this morning about this and, and going back and watching the match over again, he, here's the conclusion that I made. And now it kind of, I'm kind of, I wouldn't say worried, but there's some concern going forward with, with this storyline, for me at least. If John Cena, maybe it was better off if John Cena defeated Rusev at Fastlane last night, and then there would be intrigue in Rusev getting a rematch for the United States title at WrestleMania, and that's where Rusev could get his win over Cena. And that's how he would build Rusev up to be a major player in WWE going forward by beating the biggest name in the, in the, in the company, John Cena. Whereas if now they have Rusev win in the, way, in the manner that he did, okay, it saves space for John Cena so that he has an out so that he can get a rematch with Rusev. But Rusev beating Cena at Fastlane, because it happened at an event that you know, is fairly new, People are going to kind of forget about it. But next month, I have a feeling that at WrestleMania, Cena's going to get his rematch, and Cena's going to beat Rusev and give him his first pinfall or submission loss to WWE. And when that happens, that kind of stuff doesn't get erased, especially at WrestleMania. People don't forget about that stuff. So it almost makes me wonder, like, where's the, where's the, the elevation for Rusev now? Oh, the, I mean, just going off what you're saying, uh, maybe to give them some super heat, you'd have them go over on Cena again. I mean, I don't know if that's where they're headed, but... I mean, that, that, that's, that's what you would think, too. I mean, I, I thought of that idea as well. Like, well, maybe they have fights in a row. But at the same time, like Ken has brought up on previous shows, they're trying to build John Cena up as the greatest of all time of this era of guys. You know, he's probably going to tie Ric Flair's record or break that record of most world championships. So if you have him lose at WrestleMania, I personally think, and I don't know this, you know, from, from experience, but I'm just taking a guess that the company probably looks at looks at that as a black mark that a young guy beat John Cena at WrestleMania. True, and if, if I mean, to go further with it, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, if Cena was to go over on Rusev at Mania, look really strong again. Lesnar retains. You know, from that point on, there's not a lot of guys you could see being Lesnar, but Cena coming off a Rusev win would maybe put himself right back into that that picture and, you know, drive everyone crazy with having Cena be the one to dethrone Lesnar. I mean, that is getting really far ahead of ourselves, but, I mean... You could almost, in a sense, see it coming in a little bit of a way. At, assuming Lesnar is the retain, which, like I said, you guys know I'm a big Reigns guy, but I I don't want to see it too much too quick. And, I, you know, just as far as that goes, like, I do want to see Lesnar. I, I'm going to root for Reigns. It's weird because I'm going to root for Reigns just because I like him. But I kind of want to see Lesnar retain and see where it goes from there. And it may especially if Reigns has a really strong showing and, he, you know, he loses a close, tough match where everybody sees, like, he pushed Lesnar to the limit and he just, just barely lost to him. Maybe that ends some of the, you know, internet or 
smarty or whatever you want to call it he has on him. You know, maybe last night was the first step. Maybe that's the step that gets him back to where he was last summer or beyond that. I mean, you know, so again, it's a it's a long way down the road, but I mean, that's kind of going to WrestleMania and not knowing all the matches, the ones we can discuss, knowing that one. Uh, I'd, I'd probably like to see him go in the direction of Lesnar retaining. And I would really like to see uh, Ziggler and Bryan because I think that match would just be awesome, you know, early on, just kind of get the crowd going nuts and, you know, give them 40 minutes of of a great match and something that people will talk about 10 years from now. I think that's that's one of those things where maybe it gets back to with all the different guys and, you know, people in one corner and the other corner and maybe not having that one main guy down the road you know, maybe it goes back to those where you don't necessarily have to have the greatest thought of match at WrestleMania be the main event all the time. Even though it's I, t- the, I totally agree with you, and it, it maybe it gives you like almost a WrestleMania three kind of feel where you have like these two behemoths in the main event for the WWE title, but you kind of have a a Macho Man versus Ricky Steamboat kind of vibe with Ziggler versus DB. I, I would love to see it. Anthony's always absolutely. And uh, All right, guys. talk to you next week. All right, guys, and I will. I'm going to throw one more quick one in there for you, real quick, if I can. I am looking forward to Sunday ROH pay per view from Vegas. I don't know if you guys looked at the card; it's absolutely stacked. I will be, I will uh, be tuning into that, and I'll give you, uh, I'll give you a quick couple minutes on my thoughts of it next week, if you'd like. Sounds Thanks, good. Mike <laughs> Thanks, brother. Talk to you soon. All right, guys. Talk to you later. Take it easy. Yeah, it's funny, man. Like, when you look at some of the stuff coming down the pike with, with WrestleMania, and, uh, you know, I think, like, Anthony was kind of hinting at Number one, I mean, you know, having an ensemble cast, so to speak, uh, I think benefits WWE. And, and a couple things going forward with creative. I think, number one, you know, and I was thinking about this today with Roman Reigns. You know, let's see how he does at WrestleMania. But I think we've gotten caught up with this idea of who's the guy, quote, you know, who's the man? Who's the, quote, face of the WWE? And and maybe that doesn't necessarily need to be the WWE champion all the time. Um, so I, I think that, that let's just see how he does in the match. I mean, the pressure of, well, if he, if he wins at WrestleMania, then he has to be the face of the company. And can he do that? Uh, maybe that's not the case. I mean, maybe he'll be the WWE champion, but John Cena will still kind of be the face of the company, you know. So let, let's see how that all unfolds. Um and speaking of John Cena, and this is where, like, you know, where I, I think a lot falls on creative and a lot of, like, fans get, get bent out of shape with John Cena. You know, John Cena is the hero. He's the good guy. And wrestling, when it's at its best, is, is, is classic drama. It, it's a morality tale. John Cena has to beat Rusev. He has to. He's the good guy. That's how drama unfolds. You have a bad guy, you have a good guy. It seems like the bad guy can't beat the good guy, then the good guy wins. I mean, that, that's, what, that's what happens. The good guy has to beat the bad guy in the end. That's, that's classic drama. And that's what has to happen here. Um, especially a guy who's Russian, who's anti-American, John Cena has to win. The problem, I think, with the, John, with the Cena factor is the fact that creative doesn't, doesn't come up with a plan, it seems, for post-Cena. And that's not John Cena's fault. That's creative. And... I, John Cena has to win, but creative has to be on point as to what to do with Rusev immediately following this this 
this battle, this uh, this rivalry with John Cena. And I think that's where they drop the ball a lot of times. This is a, this is perfect right now. Um, and I, and again, like I said, John Cena has to win in the end, being the good guy. But what do they do with Rusev after the fact? And I think that's a lot of pressure going forward into WrestleMania creatively and post-WrestleMania, Dave. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more as far as, like, you know, uh, face or faces of the company, if you will. I mean, you know, a lot of people look at at eras of WWE and they think of, like, one particular guy. And, you know, maybe I'm a little different. I don't know, but... I've always thought that, like, guys, like, you know, in each era that, like, it was a group of guys that held their own. I mean, you know, in the rock and wrestling era, it was Hogan and Roddy Piper and Andre the Giant and Randy Macho Man Savage. And, you know, in in that, that golden age of wrestling, eventually you had Jake the Snake and Ultimate Warrior, those groups of guys. The new generation, you had Brett, Sean, Diesel, Razor, Undertaker. And then the Attitude Era. I, I, I mean, to, you know keep going it was always an ensemble of guys at least in my opinion i don't think that you know there was one particular guy so i think with this era in wwe whatever era you want to call it whether it's the reality era the network era whatever the case is i think it's a group of guys i really do i think it's brian i think it's reigns i think it's wyatt i think it's rollins i think it's ambrose i think it's cesaro i think it's the usos i think it's barrett you know a, a group of guys that are keeping it together and making WWE an exciting product to watch at times. Okay, not all the time, but at times. As far as the Cena thing goes, yeah, it, it, it makes sense for his character, especially his character, to, to, to come out victorious over Rusev. The issue is, and the controversy behind it is, is that his characters come out victorious 10 times out of 10 throughout the course of his career in WWE, and it's, it's almost seen sometimes by, you know, let's say internet wrestling fans, but to even some casual fans as, you know, a little too much, a little too much John Cena. Um, a lot of people thought that Wyatt and Cena last year didn't do anything for Bray Wyatt. I think it did a lot for Bray Wyatt. It showed a lot of different character vulnerabilities in John Cena, and I think we saw some of that last night, too, in his match with Rusev and his character vulnerabilities. Um, from what I've been reading about John Cena and his status in WWE, uh, the rumors that I'm hearing is that he, they're trying to phase him out of the title picture. They're trying to phase him out of main storylines. I wouldn't say main storylines, but like the heavyweight title, the main event storylines. And they're trying to give him the Bruno Sammartino kind of role where he's a big enough name that they got to keep on TV and establish the WWE brand, but he's not the focal point and the center of attention. Bruno was like that in his run after he lost the title and after Backlund had the title. Backlund was the champion, but people associated WWE with, with, with Bruno in some ways. So um, it's a very interesting time for John Cena, but I think regardless of it, – it's very confusing, but regardless of the outcome of the potential match with him and Rusev at WrestleMania, I think it, it helps Rusev in a small way, but at the same time they're, so, they're always going to protect – John Cena in some form or fashion. And I like Cena. I'm not a Cena hater. We know that. That's, 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 that's not news. But I think at some point, like, you gotta, you got to draw a line. You know what I mean? Like, every, every great guy has had a fall or a decline. I'm not saying they need to portray a storyline where John Cena is falling and declining in health and his career, and then they write him off as some broken old man. But he's got to show some, some more 
vulnerabilities in his character, and he can't come out the the the, the shining star and the rose and you know smell like a rose every in every single situation he's put in. Remains to be seen what's going to happen again. You know, it's it's a guy like Rusev who's got all the talent in the world. Uh, where they go with his character? I mean, hopefully they do the right thing. Let's go back out to the phones. So we got Mike on the line. Mike, how you doing this evening? Good guys, how are you? Doing all right. What do you got for us? I I, I definitely love the uh, the inter- the interview with Tugboat. You guys did a great job with that. Thank you. Thank you. He's a good guy, you know. It's it's you know good story. Seems like a real nice guy, you know. Again, uh, all the best with his rehab, but uh, you know, and again, you know, we're ultimately fans and love hearing like the uh, back room, back locker room stories, and uh, great hearing him, you know, pull out a Macho Man impression. It was just it was fun stuff. He did a great Macho Man impression, you know. I mean, he was a you know a lot of guys can 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 pull it off who you know been around Macho and everything. And uh, I, I just loved, I loved, uh, I, I loved it to death. So anyway, um, with that, Bushwhacker, uh, it, the Bushwhackers, I should say, not Bushwhacker. Bushwhackers are going into the Hall of Fame and very deserving. I'm very happy about it. Um, Fred mentioned, well, Fred Tugboat, Fred, he, they both men- mentioned uh, it, um, you know, about the matches that uh, the Bushwhackers had, and and you know, Bushwhackers. A lot of people didn't pick them to win, and you guys know this. You guys are wrestling fans. When they wrestled the Rougeau brothers or they wrestled uh, the Beverly brothers, you know. But towards when they were, like, doing, they were doing really good stuff. Like, towards the end of, you know, coming down to the line, they were they were putting over people like the Nasty Boys, Natural Disasters, Head Shrinkers, Well Done. They were putting over Well Done, Blue Brothers, you know, Heavenly Bodies. So... Definitely, those guys deserve to be in the in the Hall of Fame, and I'm happy about that. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, honestly, I don't know how I feel, and I gotta, you know, really, I think take the the Bushwhackers and, and Sheepers and, and their career and the Kiwis. As, as don't forget really about the Kiwis. Hey, by the way, don't forget about the Kiwis. They were the Kiwis before they were the Sheepers. Yeah, they wrestled. They wrestled for um, Bernhardt's father. They wrestled a lot of places. I, I read the I read the Wikipedia. They wrestled just about everywhere. They have they have forty years of wrestling on the independent circuit. I mean, and in, in the territories, a lot of NWA territories, AWA, uh, Carlos Colon's territory, Puerto Rico, Bill Watts. Um, you know, they they wrestled all over. They got a lot of experience. But I just to get it out there, I just don't think that their career. They did a lot of stuff. They wrestled in a lot of places, and they were they they have a very long career. But to me personally, I don't think they have enough of an impact on the business where you could say that they are Hall of Famers. To me personally, and there's probably guys in the current WWE Hall of Fame that are like that that I feel about that way too. But I'll just get it out there. I'm not saying that they don't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, but I just don't see them as Hall of Famers, and they had them having a Hall of Fame career. They didn't have a big enough impact on the industry to, to, to warrant that. That's just my opinion. I mean, you, you know, I mean, I, I I don't know. I see them as definitely Hall of Famers, definitely. They did a lot for this business. They definitely deserve to be in here. They wrestled top tag teams. They put over a lot of tag teams. They won a lot of matches. 
the, they were fan favorites. Um, you know, I mean, and you can make a case, like you said, for a lot of those Hall of Famers. That you know, is Coco Beware really a Hall of Famer? Mm, no. You know, exactly. But you know what? Put him in. The fans loved him. You know, his music was good. You know, um, you know. So it's 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 like it, it's it's like every uh, you know Hall of Fame out there. But I think it's whoever's in with the WWE that gets in. You know. I don't know, deserving. I think they're very deserving. I think they're very, you know, good guys. And, um, you know, I, it, you know, I, I see Bushwhacker. I see them from time to time. So, well, I don't, I don't see one of them because he's sick. I think so. I see the, uh, I see Luke. I always got those guys mixed up. I, you know, it's funny with them. I mean, they're not a, a tag team that, like, jumps out at me as, as a Hall of Fame uh, tag team. Um, and the thing is, there's a lot of tag teams. I mean, the, the British Bulldogs, you know, why aren't they in the Hall of Fame? You know, there, there are other tag teams out there that Demolition. are, you know, What was that? Demolition. Demolition, well, I yeah. mentioned, well, I mentioned that today. Like, and the Heart like, Foundation. I don't know if they... they they don't jump out at me as a Hall of Fame tag team. And when I look at other tag teams, I think there there may be other tag teams that are deserved of going to the Hall of Fame. However, when you yeah. when you look at like their career, you know, like we talked about with Rikishi, there are certain Hall of Famers that are, you know, slam dunk no doubters, and then there are other Hall of Famers mm-hmm. where you just kind of like oh, maybe. And when you look at the the length of their career and and every place they wrestled, yeah, perhaps the Bushwhackers are Hall of Famers, but. I, I just look at maybe there are other tag teams that deserve to go in the Hall of Fame before the Bushwhackers. What did you think well, of Fastlane last night, Mike? Well, before we get to that, um, I I think it's the dub. I think a lot of it is the the WWE's fault for lack of tag teams. Like they, I, you know, I know, I know there are tag teams. The Blackjacks are in there, agreed. Um, and and Legion of Doom definitely. And is there any other tag teams that are in there? The Samoans, the Wild Samoans. Okay, this is thank you, Dave. The Samoans are in there; they're deserving to be in there, definitely. Um, and I, I think you know, I, I want to see my our tag teams, my my our generation, like the Hart Foundation. You know, um, I know the Anvil's getting cleaned up, and congratulations to him. I know Natalia's been working really hard on getting him, and uh, you know, if he could do that, I, I think that's going to be great. And uh, and so we, we're moving on to Fastlane. Um, I like Fastlane. I gave it an A because of some of the matches and a lot of the stuff that happened. You know, with the you know with the the moments. You know, as everybody's been saying, um, one match that I really thought was the worst was the Paige versus Nikki match. Um, Paige, does she know how to sell? Because she was no selling a lot of the stuff that Nikki was doing to her. I mean, Nikki, Nikki at one point did the, a face buster and with the knee, and she and uh, Paige bounced off the rope and right away a kick. And then the next one, Nikki power bombs Paige, and you know what? She kicked out of it too. That's fine. Now Nikki got upset, frustrated, started banging Paige's head down. And then all of a sudden, before you knew it, Paige was going for the PTO. And it's like, hello, can you sell? You know? I, I thought that match was, I mean, you can criticize Paige for no selling, but I, to me there was 
zero in-ring chemistry between the two of them. It was, uh, you know, I hate to say it, you know, and, and, I, and I want, you know, the thing is, like, I, I want the women to be good. I, I want them to put on a good show, especially after watching NXT. Um, and I know that there, there are complaints about, you know, time and what have you, but it just, you know, when that's a championship match, it, it just, they don't do themselves any favors. I, I just, I think Paige is very talented. Um uh, Nikki has gotten better in the ring, but she's not great. And to me, I don't know what you thought, Dave, but I thought there was zero chemistry between the two of them. Yeah, the match wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. I thought, you know, um, you know, Nikki Bella has improved her in-ring work. Uh, she's been a little more aggressive, a little more believable. Um, I've been very critical of the main roster divas, at least some of them, where they just almost – it's like they – their wrestling is like it's not wrestling. It's like it's pretend, you know, like like play fighting. It wasn't didn't seem real. It doesn't seem real physical. She's been more physical as of late. Um, maybe they, maybe you know Dayton John Cena helps because he's a very physical wrestler. But I thought that the match was going to be solid, and for whatever reason they just couldn't you know get out from under the you know get out from under the box. You know I don't know, but. Um, I wasn't. I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't impressed with the match, and I don't know what they have going forward planned with these girls. If they're going to put a whole bunch of them in one match, or if they're going to um, have you know Nikki Bella defend the title against the entire roster like they had AJ do last year, I don't know. But um, it just wasn't a good outing last night for the Divas. And 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 also, which is weird, um, they did a Macho Man Randy Savage spot where they basically Nikki was going to sacrifice Bree. And then all all you hear is Nikki uh, Brianna or Bree, uh, what do you call it, shouting for Nikki, and and that's it. It was like, hello, Bree, get involved, do something, you know. I I mean, you know, it's either maybe they told her not to do anything, or maybe she just stood there, um, you know, like a lump. I mean, I've done that. I know that. I got criticized for that a lot <laughs> when I was when I when I am, you know, managing sometimes. Um, because I was new, I was new. I didn't really, you know, I didn't know how to imp- improvise, and I didn't know if if I would have did something, the promoter would have said, "Hey, I I don't want you touching the rest, you know, them." them. And then Magic taught me. He said, "Mike, you gotta get involved. You gotta stand. You gotta be aggressive. You gotta just do whatever, and then we'll, we'll deal with the backlash later." And it worked. And that's 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 how it how it uh how it worked. So, so yeah. So definitely, I think Bree should get in in involved more. The crowd was dead. Ooh, they were like, oh, maybe that's because I'm used to the Philly. I was used to the Philly crowd, but I, I, I couldn't. I mean, I was expecting. I don't know. When John Cena came out, I said, I know they're gonna say. I know they're gonna say John Cena sucks. I know they're gonna say it. So, but um, that match, that John Cena match, was weird because there was a screwy finish. You know, you were right on on the screwy finish, Ken. Um, we got our screwy finish. Yes, and and um, the only thing that I didn't like was when Rusev kicks John Cena to the head. He puts him in the accolade, and Charles Robinson's like, and I'm, I'm yelling, "He's out, dummy!" You can see he's out. You know, John Cena's out. He um, couldn't hear him. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Charles Robinson is Charles Robinson is, is a is a good guy, and uh, I and when I met him, I call him. Well, we all I used to call him Little Nate, and, uh, and it's so funny. It's like it's like you know you you you're seeing it, and you and you're seeing like if he's out, and we could tell he was out. 
I, I, I but, thought um, it would have been like he's checking if he was out, but what, what happened to the lifting the guy's arm three times and then calling for the belt? Yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing. They don't do that. And also, John Cena's um, eyes, if you if you watched it, it was it looked like it almost looked like he was opening them and closing them and didn't realize, and then all of a sudden you see his eyes were shut. And then what happened to after, you know, they should have got him a stretcher and took him out of there, not not him trying to get up and walk around. And then, and then, um, you know, and then they were yelling, John, John, you know, it was it was like weird. But and and how and and the the commentating, I gotta say this, I, I figured it out. JBL's mic needs to be shut off. I think he's ruined. <laughs> you, you, I, I swear, you because. It out? Yes, I figured it out, Dave. I figured it out. And, and hear me out for a second. I'll tell you okay. why. Because right. you know, the, the you know he was working too hard with like the brothers. He was throwing you know all the funks and this and the hearts. And then and then Michael Cole had to explain who the hearts were. Then all of a sudden they take a long pause, and then all of a sudden you hear Fredo and Michael, Michael and Fredo. It's like JBL. Shut up. We, we, you know, we're not. We know about the Godfather. We, you know, the Godfather didn't wrestle. It's so stupid. You know, I actually, and, 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 and he's, he's no. honestly like the biggest disappointment. I actually had high expectations when JBL was was added to the commentary table, and he, he is. He's just he's he's not good. And you know what's funny too that and Jim and um Jay, uh, not Jay. I'm sorry. Um, Jerry Lawler is a funny guy. When he said about what he said about the Big Show. Hey, I heard when the Big Show was was born, his mother had a A, B, and C and and, uh, and D, I think, right? Did he go that far? Uh, um, you know, um, C-section. And Michael Cole just brushed it off and didn't say nothing. It's like, hello, acknowledge, you know, acknowledge it. You know, we've talked about it a lot. You know, Mike, we're we're kind of up against it. Uh, we're almost out of time. We got like one more caller. I want to get them in. They've been on hold for oh, a while. All right, no problem. Let me not get them a, on, a, but good stuff as always, and uh, let's let's talk next week. Hopefully we uh, we get some more uh, clarity as far as the WrestleMania picture tonight. Definitely. Good night, guys. Good night. Thanks for having me on. We'll speak to you next week. Bye-bye. Take it easy, brother. Thanks, Mike. Let's go back out of the phones. We got Tony who's on the line. Let's get him on. Tony, how are you doing tonight? Hey. I am doing all right. How are you guys been? Doing all right. Thanks for giving right. us a buzz. Uh, what did you think of Fastlane last night? I thought it was a pretty good show. I, I actually liked it. I thought the Brian Reigns match was uh, was really really good. I th- you know, um, I mean, I knew Reigns was going to win, uh, but yeah, it was still it was still a great match. You know, I even liked the end at the end. You know, Brian shook his hand and was just saying, "You better kick Brock's ass at WrestleMania or whatever." You know, I mean, I'm not alright with that. I mean, you know, I don't know where they go with Daniel Bryan from here. You know, like what they do with him at WrestleMania. Um, as far as Cena Rusev, I thought was a good. I thought that was pretty good too. I could have done without the uh, the low blow, but you know, I guess it was. Uh, I, I you know I I thought the right guy. I thought the right guy went over, but you know, it's like it's like if they do, they're gonna do the rematch at WrestleMania, and you know, it's like if Cena beats him, where does Rusev go from there? Uh, you know, I, you know, I just I I hope they don't do you know, like you know push him down the card after Cena beats him in WrestleMania. You know, because it's, it's, that's that's something I'm always I get worried about. You know, it's like guys undefeated losing and then to Cena. Yeah, I mean that's the problem, man. And it's it's it, you know again like as as that you know hero character that John Cena is and what Rusev is, you just got to figure that you know John Cena should win. It's just creative has gotta you know they they can't they can't write shit until 
Cena's victory and then think, oh, we'll figure it out afterwards. Like, you got to, you got to, if you're going to have Cena go over on Rusev, that's fine, and that works dramatically, but have a plan for the guy afterwards. I mean, the guy is too talented. He's a specimen as far as his size and how he can move in the ring. And I agree with you. I, I just I don't want to see a guy like Rusev uh, get lost. I'm curious what your thoughts were on the, the confrontation between Triple H and Stink. Uh, it was, I, I think it uh, went exactly the way I knew I knew it was going to go. I, yeah, because it was like, yeah, yeah, the thing with the bat and the sledgehammer, I mean, you know, you know, think it's like a plastic bat up against his throat while his triple H is holding the sledgehammer. Yeah, that was kind of corny, but you know, it's just like, yeah, that, you know. But um, I mean, I knew they were gonna, you know, do what they did. You know, I mean, I, I think kind of like you know, you know, it's like Triple H came out not in the not in the COO suit or whatever. You know, I mean, I thought his promo was pretty good. I thought his promo was decent. Um, you know, Sting coming out. You know, and, he, and he's you know, it's like. Him not saying anything was I you know I was I was okay with and you know it's like I know say like he's gotten over on Triple H like three times already but you know it's like they have a month they have a month to go to WrestleMania they could always have Triple H get the uh, get the upper hand you know on a couple occasions uh, yeah but anyway I, yeah because I, I think it's it's, it's just going to be you know like a history match you know, like oh man you know it's like the, the face of WCW is going to have his first WrestleMania match and I mean it's it's going to be all about that. You know, I mean, I don't know, from a room standpoint, I don't know how it's going to be, but it's just going to be, you know, like another, you know, like, oh, his history in the making, you know, the, the guy who was WCW is on WrestleMania against the COO of the company of WWE or whatever. You know, that's, you know. It's, it's, it's interesting, like, the, the build for this, because you would think, it, it, like, honestly, like, like, really and truly, like, Triple H should be the face. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all WWE fans watching WWE television, and the WCW guy is coming in, and you know, it's it's interesting how you know the the crowd is going to be cheering for the guy from WCW. But uh, yeah, I, I'm hoping that the the build is good, and we get Triple H at least go over uh, once or twice on Sting before the match. Um, I, I think all of us were in agreement. I'm curious your thoughts, Tony. That probably uh, the moment of the night was not even a match, and uh, Bray Wyatt really owned. Uh, the night owned his segment. Uh, tremendous promo out of Bray Wyatt. It was, yeah. I, I thought he was, did a really good job. Uh, you know, it's like I say, you know, the whole, the whole thing leading, you know, like even all the promos leading up to it. I mean, it's like you know, you, you knew he was he was talking to Undertaker, but you know, yeah, I, I thought the whole thing last night when he, you know, like he, you know, when they played Undertaker's music and the, you know, all that stuff with the truths and the voice out the casket, then he came out, you know, and he cut that promo I, I thought he did a really good job with it you know it's kind of like it's it's kind of like it's it's like you know they're doing a battle of the supernatural guys it's kind of you know like the supernatural guy from the 90s versus the supernatural guy of now you know so it's it's, you know, it's kind of like that I mean I don't you know the only thing is like it, you know I don't see Taker losing a second match at Wrestlemania though so it's just, just like you know you know so if you know, they have Bray lose you know what, where you know cause again where, where does he go well, here, here's the thing with Bray Wyatt. I said this last year in the, in the feud with John Cena. Bray Wyatt's character is not about winning and losing. It's about, like, mentally and physically damaging his opponent. So putting damage to Undertaker is the ultimate victory for his character. Him winning the match is, is, is the afterthought, at least in my opinion. And I think the association and the amount of, of heat that WWE Creative allows Bray Wyatt to get on Undertaker is what's going to help under. It's what, Excuse me. It's going to help Bray Wyatt excel even further, and his association with working with Undertaker is going to be is going to be huge for his career going forward. Okay. 
All right, yeah, 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 I get what you're saying. Because um, the, uh, the first, you know, and even as far as the rest of the pay-per-view goes, the two, like, uh, matches that I, you know, had to, the Goldust Stardust, that was, I, I don't care what they did, that was not a three-count. Because it was like, you know, two, it's like, it's like, oh, that was a close finish. And I was like, what, what the match was over? <laughs> I was just, yeah, that was, and that then, was uh, weird and, and very disappointing. And, and, you know, I like to, like, almost hope that that, that was done on purpose. And tonight you, you're going to have Stardust saying, you know, he really didn't lose because uh, – but I don't I, it looked like a mistake. I mean, it, it just really looked like a mistake. And it was, it was just – I mean, the, the match didn't deliver. The ending was weird. It just didn't work. And I'm just hoping that these two guys are, are able to get uh, – the big stage at WrestleMania and given enough time uh, to put on a, a great show. Tony, thanks for calling. We're, we're up against the end. Uh, yeah, don't no be problem. a stranger, man. Want to hear from you next week. Right. Uh, we'll have more time again. You know, right, we'll we'll... That, that took up some time, but thanks a lot for the phone call this week. Yep. Well, yeah, then yeah, ring of honor. I'll be giving my thoughts on that too next week. Yeah, definitely. want to hear from you. Definitely about that. Yeah. All right. Yeah, All right. I'll, I'll definitely Take it easy. about that. I'll talk to you next week. You too. Bye. Hey, yeah, good stuff this week. You know, I mean, we dissected Fastlane, and we are really on the road to WrestleMania. Good stuff at a tugboat, Mr. Fred Altman. So thank you to him for tuning in, tuning in for joining us and doing an interview with us. And uh, thank you everyone who tuned in. Uh, fun show tonight, Dave. Yeah, very fun show. A lot, lot, lot of ground covered with uh, with, with Fastlane, and and uh, you know the interview with Fred Altman, of course, was great. Another. Uh, Another name on the wrestling bucket list I can check off. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's I mean, someday we got to figure out a way to get paid to do this, but it's just it's a blast, man. When you get uh, people that get on and give you interviews and give you good stories, and uh, you know, I was a big fan of Tugboat when he when he came in. I was always a big fan of the big guys, uh, toot toot. But uh, you know, just good stuff, giving us a first hand account of the Shockmaster, but. We're getting ready, man. You know, this is it. This is that time of year, you know, WWE. I know last night was fast lane, but this is when the WWE steps on the gas and gets you ready for WrestleMania. And we're full on. You know, we've been talking since uh, the Rumble, but now really it is WrestleMania season five weeks away. We got two matches set. Hopefully we get some clarity about the WrestleMania picture tonight on Monday Night Raw. Everyone will be back next Monday. It is time for Raw for Dave. I am Ken. Good night, everybody.